of the Lord. So if you need an outline, just raise your hand and we'll get you one. Keep your hands up really quickly. If you need an outline, just hold them up there. Wait for, wait, wait for you to have one in your hand, then you can put it down. Glory to God. These outlines are very helpful. You can follow along with me in the um, reading of the, uh, of the um, beginning part of the sermon and the intro. And you can also write down notes, which I think is very important. I don't know about you. Um, I, have a, I have a decent memory, I think. And still in all, I need to write stuff down sometimes to remember it. Um, as I've been challenging you since the summertime, obviously we changed things up a little bit. We used to utilize these outlines in order to discuss um, the sermon in our life groups, in our Connect life groups. But we have changed that. And so... Just keep your hand up. They're going to get there. They're going to get there. Amen. Glory to God. <laughs> um, and so we changed things up. We used to go and just discuss the sermon in our life groups. But what we decided to do was we decided to change that. And so we still have the opportunity for you to take notes. And my challenge to you from the summertime has been to utilize what you are learning here in the sermons in order to disciple and help somebody else grow in their faith. So to utilize those. And so today we're not starting a new series, right? Today I wanted to share a message that as we were in the 40 days of prayer on the prayer calls in the last five days, we had a time of fasting and as I was praying and seeking the Lord about this new year this is the message that the Lord laid upon my heart we'll start a new series next week but today I want to talk to you about a year of bringing say a year of bringing a year of bringing. And so I believe this is, is, is important for us to realize. I believe that New Year's is a design of the Lord, right? It's a, it allows us to kind of hit a restart button. We get to start over or literally um, to literally and symbolically leave the old behind. And so I wish I could say to you that, you know, when the, when the, you know, the clock strikes 12, that everything changes. I wish I could say that. The only thing that changed was the time. Amen. I'm just saying, right? Like some of those problems that you had in 2015, they're going to follow you to 2016. I'm just saying. I, I, I wish I could lie to you. As a matter of fact, I, I don't even wish I could lie to you. I wish that I had a magic wand that I could wave over you and say, problems be gone. Right? I wish that I had that, but I don't have that. But what I do know is this, is that nonetheless, God gives us this, right? So it's not like you got to go to month 13, right? Or month 14 or month 15 or month 24, right? You can start off. You got 12 months every year. And so you look at, we have some things in the natural. You get a fresh start on your taxes. That's a true blessing. Amen. Right? Like it starts over new, right? So whatever mistakes you made last year, those don't follow you this year. Amen. Glory to God. You get a fresh start on your annual goals and an opportunity to evaluate how you did last year and improve. Sister Anna was sharing on the Thursday prayer call on New Year's Eve. She was talking about, you know, what she does. I challenge the leaders to do this. I do this myself. And it is to really seek the Lord to say, okay, God, what area in my life do you want to work with me on? What area in my life can I commit to this year to intentionally develop? And what I mean by that is this, is that you sit there and you say, okay, God, I mean, hey, you know, you have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against us, there is no law. That's Galatians 5, 22, right? And 23. And so that's the fruit of the Spirit. So here's what I do. What I'll sit down is I'll look at that list and I'll say, okay, Lord, what area here, that's just, you know, an example of like nine things that you can start with. Amen. So that means you got nine years of stuff to work on. Amen. I'm just saying, like, I just gave you nine years. Like, you can just start at the beginning if you want. But if you want to get real spiritual, right, then you can just sit back and say, okay, Holy Spirit, what is it that I really need to work on, right? What area? Maybe it's the area of self-control. Like, that's for me. Like, I can tell you right now. Like, that's the area that I'm going to be working on this year to grow in a greater way in the area of self-control. So I'll be saying no to the apple fritters. Amen. 
At least, at least for a few weeks, glory to God, until I get self-control. And then I'll eat half an apple fritter because I'm going to control myself, glory to God. Then I'll just eat one, glory to God. Then I, no, I'm just kidding. Listen, here's the deal. You know, be, being able to have self-control is extremely important, right? Like, so for me, I realize, okay, that's the area that I'm going to work on. But for you, it may be love. Maybe you just realize that, man, I am, I am unforgiving, right? What, is, what does forgiveness have to do with love? Well, the reason why we can't forgive is because we lack love. I know you thought it was that they were just too offensive. No. They didn't deserve forgiveness. No, no, no. It's because love is lacking in your heart. And so maybe that's the area you need to work in. Maybe you're always worried about stuff. And you need to work on what? Walking in the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Maybe you are just like, you know, um, Mr. or Mrs. Depressed. Hello, somebody. And so you need to walk in the joy of the Lord. And so there, there's so many different areas that you can say, God, I want you to deal with me and, and, and work on this area of my life. And so what happens is, you know, and there's other spiritual goals, you know, there's a couple things I want to do. I want to read through the Old Testament one time this year and read at least the New Testament two times this year. I was talking to Minister John Casanova. He asked me how many books I read last year. I read like two, maybe three. This year, my goal is to read 12. And so those are some of the goals that I have, right? And so the realistic thing is Every year, we all get to sit down and, and do that. We can say, hey, you know what? I have some serious goals spiritually. I have some serious goals naturally. I have some serious goals. You know why I'm telling you all this, right? Because I want you all to hold me accountable. Hello, somebody. Don't let me eat the apple fritters. Hello. Listen, be like, Bishop, how's that Bible reading plan going? You can ask me. I'll be, I ain't going to lie to you. If I'm messing up, be like, man, I'm terrible. But, you know, how, how's your book reading going? You know, you can ask me those questions, and it's the same thing for you. You know, I, I, don't, I don't remember when it was. It was some, at some point in prayer or something. I know it, it was Sister Mary's song. We were singing the song, um, you know, Jesus at the center of it all. Talked about finding someone to be accountable to. I encourage you to do that, to really seek someone to be accountable with on these goals that you have. But listen, make these goals goals that are going to be eternal goals. Right? I'm not talking about don't have any natural goals. That's fine. But what I'm saying is let the bulk of those goals be something that the Spirit of the Lord can help you on, that the Spirit of God can work with you on, that the Spirit of God can deal with you on. Right? So let God help you to grow in grace. But here's the beauty of it. I believe we get these New Year's to be able to do that. We can start afresh. We can look at these things. And so back in your outline here, as we were in the 40 days of prayer during the last week of, of, of the fasting, I was going through the book of Acts. And so the reason I was going through the book of Acts was because I was trying to, and I got up to chapter chapter 21 and actually um, during that during those um, five days I got up to chapter 17 and then the other night when I was getting ready when I was re refreshing on this message I got up to chapter 21 and the reason why is because I wanted to look at every chapter I wanted to see how important prayer was in the book of Acts I wanted to see how important that was. And what I can tell you is that in most chapters, not every single chapter, there's about three or four so far that I've come up to. And some of them, because the book of Acts is historical, it's not going to give you every single detail there. There's some things where you're like, man, I know they were praying in that situation, but it doesn't say they were praying. So I was real specific. And as I was going through that, I was looking for prayer. And what I want you to know is that prayer is important. How many can, can say amen to that? The reason why we started the 40 days of prayer was obviously because I sensed that spiritual warfare, right? But here's what I want you to get. We didn't just, and, and I, I want to make this clear. It's always been in my heart to have a people that are more passionate and more devoted to prayer and the seeking of God's face. It's always been in my heart. And Pastor Frank, who is the pastor of Body of One Ministries, his church actually does three prayer calls different times, but they do three, three prayer calls a day. Um, I, I'm not sure if it's Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday or whatever, but they do that. And when he 
he told me about, about that years ago, I was like, man, I would love to do something like that. And it just so happened that as I came to that point toward the latter part of the year, and I realized, you know, that spiritual warfare, I could sense that, I felt like that was the right time to do it. But what I want you to get is that this is not something that we're just doing for 40-day increments. This is something that we are going to do until Jesus says, stop. Hello. And how many of y'all know Jesus is not going to say, stop praying? Are you hearing me? All right, so Jesus is going to continue to call us into prayer. But the reason why this is so important, actually what I did too, because you guys will notice, ever since I traded off, and I have to apologize to the leaders sometimes, but ever since I asked the leaders to help me particip or, or participate in leading the prayers, I forget to send out the text messages sometimes to remind y'all, and then sometimes y'all forget to get on the call. Hello. So I'm going to encourage you to do what I did, right? What I did was I set three alarms on my clock that are going to go off Monday through Friday. One is at 420. If I'm not up, it's going to wake me up. The other one is at 1220. The other one is at 920. So you should be getting a text from me all the time, unless I'm in a meeting and my phone is on silent. But I'm going to do my best to make sure you get those text messages, right? And I'm not at a meeting at 420 in the morning. Are you hearing me? Ain't nobody want to meet me at 420 in the morning except Jesus. So anyway, ultimately, everybody, not no, Bishop, that's too early. So ultimately, the reality is I'm going to challenge you to do the same thing. I'm going to challenge you in this year to make prayer a priority in your day. Don't wait for a text message reminder. You know what you do? Set a reminder for yourself so that way you know at what time, 1228, at whatever, you know, two minutes before the hour, you get some kind of text to say, hey, man, it's time to pray. Hello. Making prayer important, right? So that's why I was going through the book of Acts to see how important prayer was. And so as I was going through the book of Acts, I came to chapter 3, and I got stuck on chapter 3 because I realized that just as Peter and John were bringers, so we must become bringers as well. When I was reading this chapter, I was, I was, I was struck by the fact that it, they didn't wait until they were in the house of God to, to see the miracle happen. They were on their way to the house of God. They weren't waiting to get something from church. They brought something to church. As a matter of fact, they brought the praise party to the house of the Lord. They didn't wait to come and be motivated to praise. They didn't wait to come and see, hey, are they going to sing my favorite song today? They didn't come to see if everything was going to go the way that they wanted. They didn't come to wait and see, man, am I going to be moved? They didn't do that. What they did was on their way to the house of the Lord, they picked up somebody that needed this miracle, brought him into the house, and revival broke out in the worship service as we see. And so what I realized is that the same way that these guys did that, it should be the same thing for us, that we should be these same kind of people that are bringers, right? And so a few years ago, I shared the idea and presented the challenge of reaching one, always one. And the idea behind that was, you know, when we look at the world needing Jesus, it can become overwhelming because I see so many people that need to hear the gospel. And where do I start? And what I said was, start with one. And once you have preached the gospel to one, make sure you preach the gospel to another. You just start with one, though. You make sure that you get one person. Be praying for at least one person and share the gospel with them. And then what do you do? You continue on down that same path, and you continue always reaching one. But this year, what I want to do is I'd like to challenge you to be a bringer this year. I'd like to challenge you to bring the gospel to others. I'd like to challenge you to bring others to Jesus and to church. And I'd like to challenge you to bring God's glory wherever you go. Wherever you go, bring the glory of God. Wherever you go, have the message of hope in your heart. Wherever you go, make sure that you are prepared to give a reason, an answer for the hope that is within you. How many of y'all have hope? Amen. Anybody have hope? A couple of amens, right? I know, I know it's still early, you know, a little cold outside. You know, y'all came feeling a little chilly or something. But listen, if we have hope, then we should be ready to share that hope. 
We should be ready to share with others the hope that is within us. And so when we realize this, this is the big idea that I want you to get today. When we realize that he who called us is with us, we'll become bringers. I'll say that again. When we realize that he who called us is with us, we'll become bringers. When you and I realize that the one who called us, Almighty God, the one who is in heaven, the one who is seated on his throne, the one who called, who spoke the world into existence, that God, the one who called us out of darkness, that God is with us everywhere that we go. And when you and I really get that picture and you understand who is with you, man, something changes in your life. Are you here? You know, you ever see kids, I don't know if you were growing, when, when you were growing up, see, I didn't have my father in my life, so I never, I never had the privilege of saying this, but, you know, there were some kids that, were, that would talk about, well, my daddy will beat your daddy up. You ever know some kids like that? At least you heard about it on TV somewhere, you know, well, my dad's bigger than your dad, my dad's stronger than your dad, right? And so, you know, that's the idea, right? And it's because, you know, your, your dad, when you're growing up, you know, is your hero. He is the strongest. Hello, somebody. Are you here? He is the smartest, right? He is, he is, he is all that. Hello, somebody says, I, I like being a dad, glory to God. I get to be a hero for a little while until, you know, your child starts to realize, I don't know if he's the strongest. Yeah, he's definitely the best looking, but I don't know if he's the, if he's the strongest. I, you know, I don't know, right? Glory to God. I didn't say me. I said he. I was talking in general, right? I'm, right? I didn't say me. Glory to God. But ultimately, it is, it, you know, you have these ideas, right? And, 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 and you start to feel a certain way. Like you can do anything because of who your dad is, right? Like nobody can come against you because of who your dad is. Like there was just some, there's some kind of swag. I'm going to use that word. There's some kind of swag you have because of who your dad is when you really understand. Well, when you think you understand who he is at that age. And can I tell you something? When we really understand that God the Father, the creator of all is with us, change the way that we walk. It changes the way that we live. It changes the way that we do everything in our life because we realize that no matter where I go, you know why David said in Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You know why he said that? It's because of the shepherd. It was because of the great shepherd that was walking with him through that valley, that place where it looked like death all around. That's what the valley of the shadow of death is. It's a place where death is all around you. It's a place where despair is all around you. It's a place where where discouragement is all around you, but I will fear no evil. Why? Because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so he's talking about a relationship. And you know what? The rod and the staff is not like a little, you know, soft touch. It's actually from the discipline that you get from the rod and the staff. Hello, somebody. And so because he loves you, because he's disciplined you, because he's developed you, because he cares for you, you know what? I don't have to be afraid of evil because the great one walks with me. Amen. So the first thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, we must live as though we are always on our way to God's house. We must live as though we are always on our way to God's house. Look at verse 1 with me. It says, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Now, notice the narrative starts with the apostles on their way up. I like the fact that they were going up to the house of the Lord. Gives us the idea that whenever we're coming to seek the Lord, he's always taking us higher. Amen. It's never going down, right? I mean, we're going up. That's the idea that we get there. They were on their way up to the house of the Lord for what? To go have a good time? They were on there. Of course, they were going to have a good time, but that isn't what the scripture said. The scripture said they were on their way to the house of the Lord for prayer. 
for the time of prayer. And so prayer meetings were important to them. We've talked about this before. You know, a lot of times you look at churches that have prayer meetings. You know, the prayer meetings typically are what? The least attended service of all. And listen, there's a lot of different reasons for that. But the bottom line is they were on their way to prayer. Everyone was on their way to prayer. And this was, it says the ninth hour here, it was the last of three daily prayer times that the Jews observed. And so when I say that we should, we must always live as though we are always, or we must live as though we are always on our way to God's house, it's because of this. It's because most of the time people get spiritually prepared for some reason when they're on their way to church. Hello. You want to get real holy when you're on your way to church, right? I've told you this before, like on the way to church, nobody yells in the car. Mm-hmm. I got a story. I'm going to tell you this quick story. One day we were on our way to church. I'm going to tell you how holy me and my amazing wife are. Um, we were on our way to church one day in the old building. And as we were on our way to church, our daughter was sitting in the back. And Alexis is probably like, I don't know, maybe two years old or something like that. And my wife and I were so intensely, passionately arguing <laughs> on the way to church because we were so holy. When I came to the corner, I was driving so fast. Because, you know, for some reason, when you're arguing, you seem to speed up. At least I do when I'm driving. It seems like I go faster, right? And so I'm driving, you know, on a 35. I was probably doing 50. So not only was I arguing with my wife, not only was I in the flesh there, I was doing 50 in like a 35, so I was in the flesh there. And then there's something amazing happened. When I hit the brakes, I realized that my daughter's seatbelt was not on her car seat. So my daughter flew forward and like hit the car and I was like everybody went I mean I was really in the flesh then I felt terrible like the worst father on the planet. Thank God. She's okay. The point of the matter is I Wasn't very spiritual that day, but what I can tell you is that I made I made a rule around that time and and, and it is this Don't talk to me when I'm on my way to church I am too holy to be spoken to on the way to church don't ask me questions. As a matter of fact, now I come to church without them because I'm so holy. <laughs> but here's the thing. The point is, when we look at most people, you know, they put on their, what's called their Sunday best, right? You know, they, and it, it can be their dress. It can be their talk or whatever the case is. But let me tell you something. All y'all seem super holy right now. I just want you to know that. Y'all seem really holy. I could not tell that any of you are sinners in this place because you all seem so holy. You know, we're singing. You look, you sound holy. I mean, you look holy and all that kind of stuff. The point of the matter is, right, most people, mo most people on their way to church, they, you know, they're getting their life right. And so what I'm saying is we should live our lives with that mindset, right, with the mindset that, and here's, here's what I want you to get, is that living a gospel-centered life means that I live my life from one encounter with the Lord to the next. Are you here? I live my life from one service to the next. I live my life from one opportunity to encounter God to the next. That's how I live my life. In other words, in between encounter or encounter or service and service, I am trying to live holy because I never know when that encounter is going to be. Are you here? I never know when it is that God is going to walk up on me and be like, Jason, I need you to do something holy right now. Hello. Like, I need you to pray for someone. Like, like you, know, you know how crazy it is for you to have just been walking filthy mouth, nasty, just, I mean, whatever, and all of a sudden, you know, you see somebody in need. There is not going to be a holy thought saying, I should go pray for this person. Are, are, you, are you here? When, when, when you are in the flesh, when you are not living your life for the glory and honor of God, when you're not living your life as though you are always about to encounter God, what happens is, and it's not to say that anyone is perfect because we all know that we fall short. Amen? 
Not saying that. But what I'm saying is something needs to happen inside of us that we say, man, I need to always be on, on, on guard. I need to always be prepared so that way I can be ready for when God wants to do something through me. Are you here? See, we should live with a constant expectation of the glory of God being manifested in our lives. That should, and that, that should be us always. Always. Just as the apostles were. On the way up to the house of the Lord, they weren't waiting to wait. They, they weren't waiting to say, hey, man, let me carry you to this prayer meeting. It isn't what they did. Let, let, let's bring you into church. Listen, what I want you to get in this year is that God has deposited his glory in you. Are you hearing me? If you are his child in this place, if you are his son, if you are his daughter, he has deposited his power, he has deposited his glory, he has deposited his spirit in you. You don't need to wait for somebody holier than you. Hello, somebody. What you need to do is walk in the power, in the assurance, and in the fullness of the God that walks with you everywhere that you go. Amen? Amen. The second thing, repeat after me, say, we must begin... To see the needs before us as gospel opportunities. We must begin to see the needs before us as gospel opportunities. Let's read verses 2 through 5. It says, And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who enter the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And so you see the narrative, right, what's going on. This guy's sitting at this, at this temple, at, at the gate of the temple. He's sitting there. He sees these guys walking up. And just like everyone else that walks by, he's like, hey, can you give me a handout? Can you give me? I, I need something. I like the way one preacher animated it. He was sitting there with his little coffee cup. And he was ringing and saying, I need something. Can I get something? Just put something in this cup for me. That's what he asked for from these apostles. And the scripture says in verse, in verse 4, it says, And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. We must begin to see the needs of, of the people before us as gospel opportunities. You see, when the apostles saw this man who was lame, they, they didn't see him as a charity case, but as a gospel opportunity. Now, please stick with me for a moment because we live in a culture, listen, where there's a lot of poverty, right? There's a lot of, there's a lot of need that is out there. And automatically what we want to do, and even, and even um, in missions, when you think about the mission field, overseas missions, because I believe that there's two sides to missions. There's the, there's the local mission that you are in, that God has deposited you in, that you need to be part of. But then there is also the overseas mission. And what happens is when you look at overseas missions or you look at the poverty issues in people's lives, what, what the first thing that you want to do is you want to throw a dollar at it. You want to throw money at it. Well, you know, we'll just fix it like this. Well, you know, and, and missions, hey, you may not be able to go, but you can send your money, right? So you can go that way. Okay, that's true. But don't you think maybe you might need to pray about God? Do you want me to go over there? Hello, somebody. Do you want me to, to step out in faith? Maybe not just throw some money at it, but maybe put some money away so I can buy a ticket and go. I'm just saying, hello. Do even pray that way to say, God, what is your will? It's the same thing when we look at somebody in a poverty-stricken situation. We see them, and sometimes we just think, hey, man, they just need somebody to feed them. Is that really what they need? Is that really all that they need? See, that's the reason why you can't let the government do your job. Hello, somebody. I know, I know. Uh, hello. 
You can't just say, well, hey, they're going to take care of this. Really? Is that what's supposed to happen? Are they supposed to take care of that? Are they supposed to be the one? They can't because they are spiritually blind. They're not spiritually uh, responsible for the, for, the, for the spiritual needs of people. And when you see this story here, it's the same situation. A guy who sat down every day. Listen, it was from his mother's birth that he was like this. And so as soon as he was old enough to start begging, he started begging. That's all he knew how to do. And you know what they did? They sat him at the nicest place because they knew people were going to walk by there. And guess what? They made sure he was sitting there at the time when people were feeling the most spiritual. Because when people feel spiritual, they give. Hello, somebody. Right? When you, when you feel real spiritual, you give. You know, you want to be generous because you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's kind of like I told, I, I told this story a long time ago. I'll share it again, so I'm telling stories today. Um, a long time ago, I remember I, was, I, I, used to work, I, I used to work at a Hess gas station. I worked at a Taco Bell. And I remember I had to go pick up my check at the Hess gas station. I went to Taco Bell. I made myself, you know, when you work at, at a certain place, you know, you know how to make things that taste really good to you, right? And so I went in there, you know, I picked up one check from Taco Bell. I was like, let me stop in, make myself something to eat, made myself something to eat, you know, special to order for me, had it in my bag, pulled up to the Hess gas station, going to get my next check. As soon as I get out of my car, there's a homeless guy that's sitting there. And I looked at him, I was like, man, I knew it. The Lord was like, give me your food. So I was like, all right, I'm going to test this out. <laughs> Today, man, are you hungry? Duh, of course. But I don't want to test it again because I'm like Gideon, right? All right, it was wet. Now I needed to be dry. So I said, hey, man, do you like chicken? <laughs> Your bishop needs deliverance, y'all. I'm just letting y'all know. I'm just trying to show you that I'm not that holy. I'm really not. And so I'm no better than anyone in here. And so, you know, anyway, you know, went ahead and the guy's like looking at me like, are you crazy? I was like, you like sour cream? I'm serious. Y'all think I'm joking. I'm not making this up. I, could, I was asking him all those questions. I was hoping he would say, no, I'm allergic to sour cream. And I'd be like, man, I would give you this, but bro, it's got sour cream all up on it. And <laughs> My point is, if I would have came out of prayer, right, at that moment, and I would have been all prayed up and worshiped up, I would have known that was God. I wouldn't have asked any questions. I would have said, hey, man, let me give you this. Let me pray for you, or whatever the case was. Instead, I'm wrestling with God, right? And I'm like, man, God, I'm hungry, but I'm picking up a paycheck. Can I go buy myself something else? Glory to God. Anyway, the point is, right, they laid this guy at the gate because people were spiritual, because people were coming up for prayer. And so they were going to be generous. And so that's what this guy was doing. He was begging out there. And see, the thing is this. Too often, we see situations before us as charity cases when the Lord may want to do something greater than just meet a temporary need. Are you hearing me? The Lord may want to do more than just put some food in someone's mouth. The Lord may want to use you to bring the words of salvation to someone's soul. The Lord may want to use you, man, to, to actually pray for someone so they can be healed of whatever it is that is ailing them. I mean, do you believe that kind of stuff? Do you believe that God is still the same yesterday, today, and forevermore? But we get so accustomed to just, you know, because what happens is we become so desensitized to being really open to the Spirit of the Lord. Look, on yesterday, I think it was, I was watching the news when I turned the TV on, and I'm like shocked. I mean, a, a, little, a little girl got shot, a nine-year-old girl got shot coming out of a, a, a New Year's Eve celebration in the church parking lot. I mean, crazy. You know, they think someone shot up, you know, shot up in the air and the bullet came down. And, you know, note to self and everyone in the room that has guns, don't be shooting up in the air. Hello? Just saying, right? 
Just I'm celebrating, yeah, you could be killing someone too and not realizing it. But anyway, so you have this over here. You have somebody else coming out of some New Year's Eve party. We're celebrating New Year's, people getting killed, beating each other up. And, and what happens is we watch all this stuff. And you know what happens? We just become desensitized. We're like, we're not crying because a little girl died. We're not crying because someone got killed on New Year's Eve. We're not crying about anything like that. Look, even the good news doesn't even move us. There was, a, there, there was these twins that were born. One of them was born on the 15th at like, you know, a minute before. The other one was born, you know, the, the, on, on, you know, the, 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 the 26th, what, the 20, 2016. We didn't even rejoice at that. Like, oh, that's cool. Like, that's cute, man. You know, one lady, she didn't even, I don't, know, I don't know how this is possible. A woman didn't even know she was pregnant. She was at work and all of a sudden went into labor. I'm like, how on earth can you not know you're pregnant? Hello. Like, did you notice something was growing? I mean, I, I mean things change, right? I don't know, ladies. Y'all figure that one out. But anyway, the point is, we become so desensitized. We don't rejoice at good stuff. We're not moved by sad things. And what we need to do is come to the point that we are like the apostles here who didn't say, you know what, man, we, we, we're just going to go ahead and just throw something in your little cup. But we want to give you something else. And that brings me to my third point is this. Say this with me. We must realize we can only give what we have. We can only give what we have. Notice verse 6. This, this is so important. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. So what do they do? They acknowledge what they don't have. They ain't got no money. They're not walking around. They're not balling. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, they didn't have this prosperity garbage going on. That they were just walking. No, it wasn't like that. He says, silver and gold, right? We do, you know, I have not. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And we'll continue reading. And it says, and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Verse 11. It says, now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we, 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 we had made this man walk? I need you to see that. And please, if, you, if you're not afraid to write in your Bible and not opposed to that, underline that right there. Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? The reason why I want you to get this is because God is never, has never, and will never look for perfect people. You know why? Because he will never find one. He's not looking for people that, look, I'm not telling you, hear me what I'm saying. I just said it earlier, from, from encounter to encounter, living a life that brings glory to God. That is truth. But what I want you to know is that we walk around sometimes and we think that we have to be the holiest person on the planet, that we have to be the most godly person on the earth. And again, I don't want you to get it twisted. These guys, I promise you, they were probably more godly than most of us. But what they realized is that God did not do something because of who they were. He did something because of who he is. Are you here? He did something because of his power, because of his might, because of his name, not because of their name, not because of anything of them. But this is what the apostle said. He goes on in verse 13 and he says, 
the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, have, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all so what he does is he is he does what he says look it is not because of our godliness it's not because of our goodness it's not because of our power it is because of the gospel that this guy is delivered what he did to them is he presented, he presented them with the gospel. He let them know. He's like, the one that you crucified. And why did they crucify? Why was Jesus crucified? He was crucified because of our sin. He was cru In other words, what Peter was doing was he was pointing his finger at them. He was saying, listen, Pilate was ready. Y'all remember this? We just went through this a few weeks ago in the gospel of John. Pilate was ready to let Jesus go. And these people were like, no. And so Peter, remind, remember, he denied Jesus. Now he's like ready to die for Jesus. Hello. Because of what? Because of the resurrection. And so he tells them in their face, he's like, you guys are the ones who caused him to die. You guys, Pilate was ready to let him go. You said no. And he goes on to present to them and let them know, and this Jesus dies. And then we know the rest of the gospel because what? It's because of faith in his name. Because Jesus dies for our sin so that way we don't have to suffer hell. We don't have to suffer separation from God. But we can put our trust and our hope in Jesus and we can experience the power of his resurrection in our lives through the faith in what? His name. Not the faith in my name. The apostle makes it clear. It's not about my righteousness. It's not about my good works. It's about the good work of the one who died on the cross and rose again. See, that's the beauty of this. The hope is in this resurrection. And so here's the thing. We must realize that we can only give what we have. See, here's what I want you to get. The greatest question we must answer before we can give anyone anything is this. What do I have? So what do you have? What is it that you have to offer those who are hurting? Y'all know we, we are living in a world that is hurting, don't you? Y'all know that we're living in a world that desperately needs the power of God to be manifested. That's the reason why we pray. This morning when we had our leaders' prayer time, that is the prayer. Listen, y'all, I will pray until the day that I die for the glory of God to be manifested in this earth until I see it. Because you know what? I know that there is one hope, and that is God's glory being manifested in this earth. Listen, it's not how big the churches get because you know what? We have churches on every corner. And guess what? There is still tons of hurt, tons of pain because they need to see the glory and the power of God. And so the question is, what is it that you have? What do you have? And what are you going to offer someone? Would you just have to say, well, I'll give you my burrito with sour cream. Hello. <laughs> is that all you have? Hello? Is that all that you got? Do you just have the money in your pocket or do you just have a check to write? And I'm not saying any of those things are bad things. What I am saying is does God want to do more through you? Does God want to move more in, in a greater way through our lives? I would say yes, he does. I would say when I look at these scriptures, oh yes, I believe that he does. See, here's the thing. Too many of us have not understood the power of the gospel and grasped our new identity in Christ. Are you here? 
Too many of us, we haven't understood the power of the gospel. We haven't understood who we are in Christ, that we are new creations because of what Jesus has done. If you have put your faith in him, there's some things that the scripture said. Here's what I want you to get. The power of God we see operating in the apostles was not reserved for them alone. You can write these scriptures down. The book of Acts chapter 6 talks about a guy by the name of Stephen. And you know what? He wasn't an apostle, but God was using him mightily. Are you here? There's another guy, if you look at Acts chapter, chapter 8, there's a guy by the name of Philip. He wasn't an apostle, and God was using him mightily. And you know what? Even if you go a little bit further, you look at Acts chapter 11, there's some people in there that are not even named, and God was using them mightily. Why do I bring that up? Because there's many of us that have been lied to, and we think, well, you know what? That was just an apostolic move. Hold on a second. It was not only the apostles that God utilized. He used Stephen. He wasn't an apostle. Used Philip. He wasn't an apostle. And I think this is my opinion. I'm just adding this. I'm making this clear to you. I think the reason why he left some unnamed people there is so that way we could say what? Man, if he used people with no name, then he could use me. Hello. If he used people with no name, then he can use me. And what I want you to get is that God wants to do great things, but we have to believe that he what? That he wants to do it. We have to, be, we have to be willing to step out in faith. We have to be willing to trust him and move forward with him. See, here's what the scriptures say about you and about me. And the, the gospel has the power to save through anyone, and the spirit of the Lord is resident in all of his children equally. I want you to get this. God's spirit is not more in me than it is in you. Hello? It's not more in the most holy person you know. I don't know who that is, but I've already dethroned myself, so I know that I'm not the most holy person you know, especially after today's testimonies. But nonetheless, you know, that most holy person you know, that person that you go to and say, God really hears their prayers. I want you to know something. God hears your prayers. Are you here? God has placed his power in you, and he wants to use you. He wants to raise you up. He, listen, my prayer is that you will not allow this to be another year like any other year. Are you hearing me? That you will call, that you will say today, you know what, God? I'm going to be a bringer because of what you've deposited in me. I'm going to be a person that walks in the power of your spirit. I'm going to be a person that walks in my new identity. I'm going to be a person who's going to be about the Father's business, and I'm going to live for the glory and for the honor of God in all things. And I believe that God will use you greatly. But listen, it takes us to believe. you got to believe what God has put inside of you. You can write these scriptures down as well because these are some things that the Bible says about you. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 and 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 18. Both of these scriptures are powerful scriptures here. And what, and what these scriptures talk about is us being the image bearers of God. Those whom God foreknew, right, he did what? He predestined them to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That's Romans chapter 8, verse 28 here. And then when you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18, it says, as we behold his glory, we are changed from glory to glory. To, to do what? To bear the image of our God. And so what I want you to get, I want you to understand this. Because of what Jesus did, you and I, can, we are image bearers. That's a big deal. Somebody should have got excited about that. That's a big deal. You and I are image. In other words, God has put his imprint upon us, and he shines his glory through us. That's what it means to be an image bearer, that I'm someone who walks in that kind of image. It's not about me. When, when, when I live my life for his glory, you know what people can see? They see the image of God, not the image of Jason. Hello. When we live for his glory, listen, not just when we come to church and put on our Sunday best. Hello, somebody. 
It's not just when we come together. It's when we scatter that the image of God goes with us. And that's who you are. Another one here, 1 John 4, 4. This one should be uh, uh, one that you have memorized in your heart. It says what? It says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so number one, you are an image bearer. Number two, he overcame the world. Therefore, you will overcome the world because greater is he. Who is he that is in you? That is Jesus Christ, the hope of glory. That is God who dwells in us. And, and listen, it is a mystery and how he does it. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. These are simple promises here, but they're powerful. And the last one is this. God promises to be with us wherever we go. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. He tells his disciples what? He tells them to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and lo, I'm teaching them all things. And, and then he says what? He says, and lo, I am with you until the end of the age. In other words, wherever you go, guess who's going with you? God Almighty. That's who goes with us. And so the one that's going with us is saying, hey, I want you to bring my glory. I want you to bring my word. I want you to bring my gospel. The reason why prayer becomes so important is because we must cultivate a life of prayer and scriptural sanctification to build ourselves up in the most holy faith and connect us to the power of God. It's time that we believe God for more based upon his word, not our desires. There's more in God's word. You know, you know what the issue is? I'm going to tell you what the, what, what the greatest issue is with us in the church. It is that we spend so much time inundating ourselves with other things. I want you to think about this. I want you to, I, I, I want to just do an experiment. You, can, you don't have to tell me the results. I want you to do this experiment. For those of you that like social media and things like that, I want you to think about how much time you spend. Just, I want you to take January. Just take January. Just keep doing exactly what you always do. Get on Facebook as many times as you do. Get on Twitter. Get on Instagram. Get on whatever other thing you get on go ahead and do your internet searches and get on google go on youtube you know because people think well i don't have faith on so i'm i mean i don't have i don't have facebook so i'm holding no i don't have twitter so i'm holding no 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 <laughs> listen there was a preacher and you know what he you know he he back way 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 back in the days i can't remember who it was but he literally and i'm not saying that this is right or wrong but what i'm saying is this he wanted to walk in such holiness that he would not even read the newspaper he prayed and he read the scriptures and he's a guy that I'm quoting about right now so that tells me he did something right hello it's a guy that was used mightily by God because you know we think oh man you know you have the internet and all this kind of stuff look back in the day people can get overwhelmed because they read so they take so much time reading this and reading that what I want you to do is I want you to consider how much time you spend inundating yourself with garbage that is unnecessary that has no eternal value but here's what I want I don't want you to just measure that I want you to then measure remember I said don't change anything don't get holy on me now even with your New Year's resolutions, maybe you made some of those. I want you to then, at the end of the month, here's what I want you to do. I want you every day to write that stuff down. And then, at the end of the month, I want you to also write down how much time you spent in prayer and you spent in the Word of God. And I want you to compare the two. That's what I want you to do. And I want you to come out and I want you to tell me if that signifies a life that is going to walk in the power of God or that's going to walk in defeat, that's going to walk in doubt, that's going to walk in despair. See, because for most people, we spend more time inundating ourselves with things that don't feed our soul the things that we need to be fed. 
We spend more time doing other stuff. And, and listen, there's tons of things. I didn't even mention because I don't necessarily know about them. But there's tons of other things that we do. Books that we may read that have no eternal value. They may be of entertainment, whatever. Music we may listen to that has no eternal value. I want you to put all of that stuff down and think about, man, what am I feeding myself? You see, because if you're going to be a bringer, you got to be someone who is really walking with the God of heaven. And it takes time for us to believe these things. You know why Peter was like this? He just, he, look, I can just, I can just see this. Peter's walking up to this guy, and this guy's like, give me some alms. And Peter just looks at him and is like, he didn't even doubt. He didn't think twice. He grabs John, and he's like, silver and gold have I not. But what I have, get up in the name of the Lord. And then he does what? He grabbed the guy's hand because it looked like the guy wasn't moving, like the guy thought he was joking. He's like, hold up, bro. Grabs his hand and picks him up. Are you hearing me? That's how much faith this guy had in the God he was serving. And you know what, church? That's the kind of people that we can be if we'll fill ourselves with this word. Amen? Amen? The last question I have for you here is will you commit to being a bringer? Will you commit to being that person that brings the gospel to others, that brings others to church, that brings others to Jesus, that brings the glory everywhere you go? And if you say that you can't commit to that, what is stopping you? Maybe you haven't made a commitment to Jesus. Maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Maybe it's that you're just doubting who you are in Christ. You're not sure. Maybe there's some strongholds in your life. And what I want you to know is that God is here today to save you. He is here to deliver you. And he is here to fill you with the power of his spirit so that way you can walk in the fullness of his will for your life. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask my sister Anna to come up here because she shared something with me. And um, it goes along with what I'm preaching and so she, she, she shared this as an encouragement, and I was going to read it, but she's going to go ahead and read it, and then I'll, I'll come up and I will wrap up the microphone, the microphone. Here it is. Anna, you know you don't need a mic. You, you, and, I, you, and, I, you and I are equally loud. I don't need a mic either. I know. <laughs>
All right, so I want to close as she, as she was reading that, the scripture that she was referring to, and all of that is a challenge for us to really respond to the Lord, but the scripture is found in John chapter 6, and you can turn there if you'd like, the gospel of John chapter 6, and I'm just going to read a few verses, and then I'm going to wrap us up here. And it says this in verse 1, it says, After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to, he said to test him, for he himself knew that he, what, what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but listen to this, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, make the people all sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000, and Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the, fragrance, the, the, the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men who... And those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Amen? When we read that scripture there, the one thing that stands out to me, or a few things there, is that we see clearly that Jesus is testing his disciples, and he's saying to them, look, there's great need that is out there. There's a lot that's going on. How are we going to meet that need? And his disciples come, and they're like, man, we ain't got nothing to meet that need. Again, this is prior to this act situation. His disciples are not understanding who their God is. And I love it because when he looks at this, he's like, hey, man, there's a kid here. He's got like five barley loaves and he's got two fish. And he's like, but what are they among so many? In other words, this little offering that this kid has, what are they, what, what are they among so many? And can I tell you the key? The key is whose hands those things ended up in. You see, because what happened was they said Jesus was like, sit him down. And they didn't bring them to anyone else, but they brought them directly to God himself. And when he took them, then he was able to expand them. And so for us, as we're sitting here and we're thinking about this new year and we're thinking about how it is, you know, as I hope that you're thinking about how it is that God wants to use you. My question is, what is it that God has given you that he's saying, listen, I want to use you in that area? What is it that you think that is so insignificant that you think that it really doesn't matter that God wants to use you in? And see, as I close this, here's what I want you to get. What I want you to understand is that when we talk about living this life of being bringers, it's about us being worshipers because that's what it's really about. It's about us being worshipers because worship is not just about the songs that we sing. It's about the life that we live. It's about being obedient in the daily, in the daily task and the daily activities. It's about being obedient in the things that we may think are insignificant. And God wants us to know that they are significant, especially when we put them in his hands. As you stand to your feet, I ask you this question. What is it that God wants you to put in his hands today? Maybe it's a broken heart. Maybe it's a gift. Maybe it's a talent. 
Maybe it's a situation. I don't know what it is today, but my prayer is that you will allow the Spirit of the Lord to deal with your heart. As the music ministry makes their way up here, it's going to ask you to bow your heads and bow your hearts <clears throat> and just really meditate on the Lord for a moment as we consider, God, what is it that you want from us? What is it that God is asking you to trust him in this year? What is it that he's asking you to lay down this year? Praise the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you so much for this day. Just grab your neighbor's hand and let us pray together. I want you to pray for your neighbor as we prepare to sing this song of worship unto our God. Let's pray for your neighbor right now that God would fill them with grace, that God would fill them with a passion, that God would fill them with new hope. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray that as you look upon our hearts, God, that you would fill us with all of you, that you would fill us with a fresh passion for your presence, a fresh passion for you, God, that you would remove the barriers, that you would remove the bondages, that you would remove those things that have hindered us. And Lord God, I pray that this would be a year that we would be those worshipers, God, that we would be those who worship, who adore you with our lives, Lord God, that we would offer you all that we are and that we would acknowledge how desperately we need you, God that we would live for your glory. I pray for those in this place, God, that may not know you, Father, that may not be walking with you. I pray that from this moment on, Lord God, that they would begin to walk with you, God. Lord, today, we ask you to have your way in us, Lord God. Take this offering that I bring. Humbly I fall on to 